know, it's stuff like that. Just make it easy for you. So let's get this party started with bringing Christina Lucia on. Let's bring her in. Hello. Hi, Christina. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. I'm so excited to have you come from New York. And I'm just going to give you uh, quitting your corporate job after an injury to shake your soul. And that's, you know, listening to your story, that's the title I came up with because I just felt it was so important for you. She is, Christina Lucia is an artist, creator, and author who ignites the imaginations of children and their parents through her limited edition of animals and storybooks. And I have all of her description of all of her social media down below. After an injury forced her to reconsider her 100 mile an hour corporate career for her to realize her true path. And I see you have one of your friends with you. Oh, he's isn't he sweet? Yeah. And what's his Bella. name? She's or her she, name? This is, this is Bella. She is the main character of the book series. So the book series is based on her. And as I was telling you before, Bella is actually one of my nicknames. And when I started writing, I realized how much it was me, which is how I came to own and be open. Like, no, this is my nickname. It's not just a name that I was inspired to use. My friend's daughter inspired me to use oh. that name. But then when I started writing, I was like, no, everyone calls you Bella. You need to own this. So I'm forever grateful to that little toddler who helped me identify with my inner child. And writing and blogging has also been a really crucial part of this process as well. Like getting my thoughts out expressing like, what is it I'm supposed to do? Because it has been, like you said, it was a, an abrupt halt. And then yeah. the off was another abrupt halt. And you're like, okay, what next? What do I do? <laughs> where did it all start for you then? Where, where do you think this kind of, was yeah. it the crash of you getting yeah. injured? Or do you think it kind of started before that? You know, I think it actually did start before that, to be honest. I, I briefly told you before that I grew up in a dysfunctional um, family. I was systematically abused well, um, verbally, primarily verbally, and it was normal. It was very normal, and as a result, I was bullied. And so this pattern was inside me for a very long time. And unfortunately, the, the source of the abuse was from my mom. And I realize now that it was from her traumas that were carried over to her and then they were being passed on to me. And I realized that I needed to make a choice. It's like generational trauma. Generational trauma, yeah. Which it's is very, unless you recognize it, right? It's very common. Um, it's nothing. And if I'm talking generally, it's because I am respecting family members. I'm also real saying it generally too, because I'm realizing it wasn't an abrupt malicious attack, attack every day at me. It wasn't. And also there are things that I realized two other family members were going through that I may not be aware. So that's why I talk about my personal right. me and I talk about that. Um, my mom, my mom and I got into a really bad fight and that's what started me on my journey with therapy. So when I had, when I had my actual families don't get in fights, what are you talking about? <laughs> I know. Right. Right. Um, so, true. so true. So true. Uh, 
But when I got my, had my physical injury, like I said to you, I was in my ballet class taking my last grand jeté, which is a big leap. And I thought the floor broke. It was me. And at this point, I already been in therapy for a while and I already done a lot of healing work. So when I had that abrupt stop, the thing about healing is when you start healing in one area of your life, it's like an avalanche, avalanche, excuse me, an avalanche. You start seeing your patterns and you start seeing, oh, wait, I fixed this. Now I fix this. I fix this. this. It's not so much a fix, but it's a, you want to make adjustments. Like you want mm-hmm. to live a fuller life once you get a taste of it. And I realized that because of the way I was raised, I kept going into careers that, that I didn't fit into. And I was used to not fitting into my family. So hence, I was used to not fitting into my corporate career. So when I was injured with this Achilles, and I know we talked about it before we started started this live, uh, Achilles is a slow healing process and it gives you time to think. And it made me, it threw me out of my comfort zone because I am extremely independent. I had to hire a cleaning service. I had to order food. I love to cook and bake, but I couldn't be on my legs. So I had to, I had to ask for help. I had to actually, people said, I'll help you. I actually had to say yes, as opposed to my inner child, who was always scared to ask for help because I was always being told no. And it really started that. And very tough. Well, for the listeners too, I just wanted to bring out that, I mean, you're a professional athlete. So there's a huge difference about you injuring yourself when that's who you are as, a, as yeah. and that's who you identify yourself as Absolutely. when you're a cancer or, or whatever it might be. Right. Yes, but, but going back to when you, when you, were you in an, a practice run when it happened or. So I was in class. So we were, it was more, so class you do exercises and I was in a comp, we call it a combination in the dance world. So I was in a combination and I, like I said, I was one of those things where I thought the floor broke. I was like, I'm not going to break the floor broke. And my first thing when I went to see the MD, that's our urgent here in New York. You kind of step on it, right? So like, what did that feel like for you? I mean, because you just have two strong legs that you're using all the time. Yeah, I, I felt a limp. And so I knew I needed to go and I let my way to urgent care and they diagnosed it almost immediately. And my tears... Uh, there were just tears because, and I was crying because I had a coaching with my coach coming up in a week and a half. And that's what I was crying about. And on the day of my surgery, I actually crutched into the studio to say hello to my coach. And she asked me who I kicked. And I said, my instructor. And he's like, oh, of course. And, like, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that was like my first thing is like, and that's the other thing too, with this injury, even before my friend came over, and told me, you can't keep living this double life. Like you can't keep working in corporate and doing your dancing in the evening. You, you, you're you a creative, you're an artist. Like you need to be out there in the open with this. I, even like, even before we had that conversation, my first thought on that table, even with the MRI and finding out I was going to surgery, my, when I, when we got back to MRI a couple of days later and they told me, you know, this is what happened. I'm like, okay, what would you recommend? I, t- I turned my businesswoman cap went on. Okay, what do I need to do? Because I'm a dancer yeah. and I'm yeah. back on the floor. You're like, it's, it's you. It's me. Yeah. And I was like, the funny thing is, I always say I was back in the studio before I was back in the office. <laughs> <laughs> like, that was like a further sign I did the right thing. That's and right. 
But also too, in light of what I said about taking a step back and realizing this doesn't work while I was on the crutches and in the boot, you know, again, because I couldn't dance, because I couldn't go to the office, I was on medical leave. I did have this time that I didn't always have because in light of what you're talking about, you know, I had a very strict work schedule where I had to be at my desk a certain number of hours a day. And I would race from work to dance. There really wasn't a lot of time and I was never allowed to work from home. So eyes are always on, always on you. So, you know, you're, you obviously you're in corporate, you're not supposed to do anything personal. You have to do just corporate work, which is understandable. You're being paid to be yeah. there. I that. Like I'm not saying yeah. that's, but it's it, hard it, to life and, and be there too. I was always, because I was an executive assistant, because I wasn't an, an, an analyst job category, I also got less vacation time as well. So I never had a lot of vacation. In all my years in corporate, I was never allowed to work from home. And I always had limited vacations so that also stifled a lot of things that I could do outside yeah. the workplace. And now I had this time. And so I started networking. I started networking. And that led me to meet my career coach. And so when I got laid off a year later, I actually did have a plan. Um, yes, it was scary to get laid off. Yes, yeah. it was luckily my physical therapy was was done at that point, so I wasn't so much scared of medical at that point. But it was like, how do I make money? How do I do this? How do I how do I move on? And yeah, because that's luckily, all you know. Yeah, and luckily I'd already been pivoting for a year. And I kid you not, they got me a car after I got laid off. They got me a car. I'm in the car and I'm already shooting out emails and booking coffee meetings with people. <laughs> and I, I actually interviewed my, I actually networked my way into another really great job interview about a month, a month and a half later, walked out of that interview. And I realized I can't repeat this pattern. I was getting sucked into the same thing, the beautiful office, the promise of promotion, the more job responsibility, da, da, da. And I thought, nope, you've done this again and again and again. And again, it goes back to the why. Yes. Because I've been doing that healing work and because I'm making steps to communicate better with my family members and my friend circles and realizing and working through those traumas, I realized, no, I can't go through this again. I can, I can make a choice. I can take a responsibility. And that's how I declare myself an entrepreneur. And to add to what you said about the, what if, after I declared myself an entrepreneur, I went on, went on my annual Europe trip. I came back and found out my mom was ill and within two weeks she was gone. None of us expected that. Yeah. And that did. a long time or? No, she had a bad cough for most of that year. And when I got back from my trip, she sent me a text saying she was in hospital with pneumonia. And then a couple of days later, my sister and father called me saying they were doing tests on her because they, they detected some cancer cells. And I was actually in my ACA meeting, I'll never forget it. My phone blinked and it was texting my sister saying, mom has lung cancer. The following day I was in Boston, formed out in in front of her with a room of 10, 12 nurses. My brother and father were there too. I found out she was stage four. And a week later we lost her. 
And it's one of those. Christina, it was uh, this weird relationship with your mom. So how, yeah. how did, how did that feel for you? Yeah. It, um, at this point I have been working through my healing with my mom, but not with her. And so we were butting heads a lot because she wasn't on the same path as me. And it, the best way I could describe it is, um, it was really, it was painful because I watched her, I watched her lose years of, lose years of her life because she chose not to do the work I'm doing. Yes. I watched her not get to become a grandma on this, on this earth. Uh, you know, I, there are things that I'm doing right now and things that I will be doing that I have to respect that she is there. The longer she's gone though, the more I realize she did the best at what she had. And the other piece of it too, is I realize more and more, I need to respect her choices. I need to respect that she really was just trying to be the best mom she could. She didn't wake up every morning trying to be hard on me. And I'm grateful that I didn't let the abuse or the verbal insults define who I am. Now, the longer she's gotten to, I'm learning when people say certain things to me, I'm like, well, actually, that's not the way it was. This is what was happening. And I'm learning to have patience, not only with them, patience with her as well. At the end of the day, I love my mom. Like my mom was a good woman. And I want her to, re- I want to remember her like that. I want everyone that hears, hears me speak about it to know that I do genuinely love my mom. And I know she loved me and our family back. And by the same time, I also made a promise to her. I made a promise I'd be positive. And that's why I choose to do the work I'm doing. That's why I choose to do the healing work I'm doing. I'm choosing to write books about communication because I realize I have a choice. I have a choice. From From zero. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And I, I realize that we, I have a responsibility as well. And I have a responsibility as well even though yes, there were things that were coming up. I also have a responsibility to realize she was scared. Like for example, when I would travel alone to Europe, she, when I'd stop telling her about trips, cause she'd always tell me I was stupid to go travel by myself and she would get mad at me. And I realized that was her fear and anxiety speaking. Yes. It wasn't her heart speaking. Um, there were other things that happened as well. Like over the years, like when she get mad at me, not knowing how to do something right at the bat and I would just learn it. I realized that was her her inner child coming out and she was so scared that I would experience the same thing she experienced. And that was her way. She wasn't trying to create trauma. She was trying to prevent trauma. It's another big thing. The other thing with opening up to this if you don't want me sharing um so I yeah. was before we start recording. So I was in Italy in August and it was my third trip. And when I was planning it originally, I was thinking of Greece. I haven't been to Greece yet. I'm dying to go. So I decided next year's Greece, but I got this craving to go to Italy again. And I, I, something inside me kept going Cinque Terre, Cinque Terre, Cinque Terre. And when I was in Florence the first night, I realized 
my mom finally kept her promise to me because she always promised we go to Europe together. And for one reason or another, it didn't work out. And towards the end of her life, or at least we didn't, I realized it was the end of her life. But what now at this present moment, I realized was the end of her life. Her anxiety was so bad that I couldn't spend a lot of time with her. I would have to space myself. And it was very difficult to be close to her, and um, which, is, which is hard in its own way. But when I watched the Piazza the first night in Florence, I was, oh my gosh, mom's here with me. Oh. When I was in Cinque Terre and I'm climbing the hills and the summits and I'm in the in these beautiful wave lagoons and whatnot. My mom unfortunately had a fear of heights, she had a fear of water and whatnot. But in the life she where she is right now, she's free of all those fears. And she was able to experience with me and she was able to be there for me. And that's, that's what, cool. yeah. And that's, I share that because I imagine there are other people out there that are healing from traumas. And I feel it's important to share that because again, it goes back into the fact that my mom was a good person. And then I realized she, she kept her promise. Yeah. She it, promised how, it, it's funny how it took something tragic for you to have this injury for it to bring up all of this stuff. It's amazing, isn't it? Like yeah, yeah. What? your your past history, your traumas, your what yeah. am I doing with myself? <laughs> like it just yeah. brought up everything. Yeah, because the traumas came up before, like the realization of the traumas came up before the injury. But the injury was well, not I look at it again, right? It makes well I wouldn't say that. It was another layer of it. Like yeah. didn't realize Deeper. Yeah, it was another deeper layer because that's the thing. It's like a, it's like layers you're peeling away, and once you recruit one layer, there's another layer. There's another layer, and that's also why when I talk about when I talk directly about the books I'm writing, I always say communication is evolving. How we communicate today doesn't mean we're going to communicate that way next week, and we need to be open to evolution. We need to be open to that, and when you're open you're able to get signs like I did for my mom. They are all over. Um, the first year, the first year I celebrated a birthday without my mom. I'll never forget it. I was in church and the priest said, does anyone have a Valentine's birthday? My birthday is February 15th. I know you said, said yours is February 25th. And I raised my hand. The man next to me had a February 14th birthday. And the priest invited us both on the altar. And gave us both a box of candy and then had the whole entire congregation sing happy birthday to us. And I knew it was my mom. I knew that was her way of singing happy birthday to me. And so that's the beauty of this healing work. And again, I realized like I do believe for me, my higher power is God. And I do believe my Achilles tendon was his way of putting a stop on me. Yeah. And putting my eyes to another area of my life that need to be rectified into a bigger purpose. And the other thing with my mom and I, and it, it's kind of more, it's a joke, it's a joke and it's, but it's, it's really true. My mom also survived on control. That's how she survived. And she was a good teacher because she did well with control and regiment. So she wanted me to be a teacher Everyone in my family is either a lawyer, a teacher, or an architect, or um, an um, engineer. And then there's me. 
And my mom always wanted me to be a teacher. And that was our biggest fight. And because people respected my mom as the boss, they actually bullied me and would say, well, why aren't you a teacher? And that's when I, and because of my healing work, I'm able to step up and say, no, I don't belong in a classroom. And I was actually on another podcast where someone said something really beautiful to me where they said, you know, you're going to reach so many more people with your books than you were if you were in one classroom. Because that's my joke. You know, at the end of the day, my mom, my mom and I are compromising. You know, she wanted me to be a school teacher. She wanted me to do different things. I kept telling her no, because I knew it wasn't right for me. And now I have found something that's right for me. And again, I do credit. I'm not wishing an Achilles tendon injury on myself or anybody else, but yeah. Or anything for that matter. Period. But it did give me that moment to be like, no, I got to live my life more fully. I'm like, let's go. Like, let's do this. It's time. At the same time, I also don't want to, I should disclose too, you know, I learned a lot in corporate. I learned a lot of skills that developed me for this time, you know, but because I do feel the timing was divine because in 2018 was the injury. 2019 is when I got laid off. And it's also when my mom passed And that year gave me time to develop the skills, the basic skills I needed to do a lot of the things I'm doing right now, to do a lot of things I needed to do immediately when I got laid off. Like even when my mom passed, you know, there, of course, everyone, we all were really shocked. So there was a lot of natural anxiety. And again, it gave me the courage to step back and say, okay, how do I do this? You know, one of the biggest things I did when my mom was sick is I took a step back and I put her first. And there was one time I was in the room and someone said something and I started getting teary. So I left the room. I took responsibility for me because I knew I had a responsibility to be positive in front of her. Right. I, I took that responsibility. And so there are things you learn. going to bring up, bring up some aggravation at the time or something. Did you feel like it was going to cause some aggression? I, you know, I didn't, I, I did not, but it, it was more, it was more realization. I would say, I think it was a very place more of a realization. Like for example, I got very, very, very emotionally exhausted around my mom's passing. And it made me realize I need, it was one of the many ways in my life where I realized I need community. And yes. when I decided to start, and again, I decided to start my business simultaneously with my mom's passing. Like I decided a couple weeks before I found out she was ill. So that was already that ball was already rolling, but it made me realize that I need a better support system. And the books, when I realized I was supposed to, I was called to write a children's book series called to illustrate because I've always been an artist that further solidified how I can find community. Like my mom's death made me passing, made me realize why I need community my books made me realize how I can gain community, if that makes sense. So it definitely. Well, it's in a, in a different way too, but you're still teaching, right? Yes. No, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, totally. Um, So what do you, what did you think about, I mean, you're going to continually heal from, from for sure. 
Yeah, um, it's, it's an ongoing process. But you made that decision to change it in its track because you could see the pattern from your mom yes. before and your mom and then you. And you could allow it to continue or stop it in its tracks, I guess. Yes. I, yeah, because it's ironic because one of my family members and I had a very beautiful conversation at, at Christmas last year. And it was hard. There were a lot of tears. But what I realized from my 12-step work is I was able to calmly say, this hurt me. And that individual apologized to me. And since then, our relationship has grown. Yeah. And I told this individual, because again, I want to respect the privacy of my family. I told them a, a day or two after we had that talk, or initially had that talk, I said, I want to be a better person. I want to be a better sister. I want to be a better aunt. I want to be, when my, when my, I meet Mr. Wright, I want to be a good wife. I want to be a good business owner, a good neighbor. I want to be a better human being. Like I'm so lucky to be a godmother and aunt. I am so lucky. And I want to be the best version of myself for them, but I also want to be the best version for my family. Because again, when you talk through these things, you realize, oh, they didn't mean it maliciously, but at the same time, you're also able to say it in a way where they can understand your feelings and acknowledge your feelings and vice versa something really beautiful about that. And the other thing I'm learning too from this communication is opening the door for people to come to me with their things. You know, we were talking about the what ifs, what if you get into that accident? What if something happens to your spouse? What if something happens to your child? When a friend or a family member comes to me with something heavy, yeah. I, my thing when I talk to them about it is, let's take a step back. Why? Why are we feeling that? Why are we feeling this? Like, let, let's dial it back a minute. And, you know, it goes into what we were talking about before is why people make decisions like not to use apps like yours to make a plan. Yeah. You know, like for example, my, my friend. going to happen. Yeah, There's exactly. I'm, I'm Superman. Nothing's going to happen to me. This perfect example I can give. So what, one of my closest friends, so her daughter is actually my godchild and I love her so like my nephew, I actually refer him to my nephew. They both get VIP. Like they both get, you know, like they're gold star. They're my, I love them so much. But I remember with her son, cause that's her first of her two children. When she was pregnant, I remember her and she's a planner. She's very meticulous and whatnot, like you and I, um, she said, you know, I'm so tired of everyone telling me not to worry about the nursery being finished. Like, I really want the nursery done before the baby comes. I want it there. And so I'm so tired of everyone telling me it doesn't matter. The baby's not going to be in there for a few months. And, you know, for me hearing that, hearing her say this, I supported her because yeah. her nursery being done is her way of having peace of mind. It's her. Right comfort. It's what she needs in her life to feel comfortable with her baby, her new baby. And well, people women are like that in general, actually. Yes. So, and, so, yeah. and being prepared or, or she had this idea in her mind. That was what she needed. That yes. was what she needed. And I talk about that actually, because we, we women, when you talk about being prepared, women, 
have to have a nest. And we have to know that we have it all looked after. Whoever's in the nest, if it's just us, or if it's a full family or just one child or partner or whoever it might be, but we need to make sure the nest is okay. And that we have everything coming to the nest and we're all good. But men don't look at it that way. Yeah, yeah. So well, this I, is actually that we're uh, that we're telling her to yeah. stop being, stop complaining. And so, in light of what you're saying, when these women were giving her a hard time, what I realize now, like I realized it then, but I'm able to articulate more clearly now because of my work. They were discounting her feelings. Yeah, and that's what it is. And when we're able to communicate more effectively, so for example, if it's you and a spouse or you and a partner and you want a clean kitchen at the end of the day and that's what makes you feel good but your spouse is like who cares if there's a glass in the sink it's really not about the glass in the sink it's about your feelings if it makes you feel safe if it makes you feel complete, complete. <laughs> And vice versa for him, you know, maybe for that male or depending or your or, or your gender, whoever your partner is, whether you're whatever couple you're in, if you're a significant other, if for them, it's more like, hey, I need to, I want to watch my show at the end of the day. Like I have to watch my one TV show, or I just want 10 minutes alone to read my book. That's okay too. We're, but when we take a step back and yeah. we okay, why does my spouse or my partner need this? Why does my child need this? Why does my sibling need this? And when you look at that, like I'll give up, I will actually mention the family member directly um, with this reference. But so I'm very, I'm very proud to say this. So I'm so proud of my sister. She has a beautiful two-year-old boy. And I was just out there uh, a week and a half ago for the birthday party. And now my sister and brother-in-law are extremely gracious and letting me stay with them. But I recognize I'm party girl, like I'm city girl. I like stimulation, but I recognize that my sister and brother-in-law, you know, they like a quiet house sometimes. And so last year, everyone went to the first birthday party and the day after I kind of noticed, you know, everyone was a little quiet and I wanted to be respectful of that. So this year when I was planning to go out, you know, I asked my sister, is it okay if I stay? Because A, I didn't know if they wanted more just them time the following day. And also right. my there's mother-in-law takes care of Caleb, my nephew is Caleb, you know, on Monday morning. So I didn't want to intrude on her time. And graciously, my sister said, no problem. No, you can stay with us. But I did that because I want to respect my sister and brother-in-law's house first and foremost. I want to respect their family. And if they told me, they told me, listen, hey, we, we need a day off. That's, they're allowed. They're human. Yeah. And by by respecting them, I'm loving them and vice versa. And then letting me stay in their home, then letting me spend time with their son, my nephew, that's a huge gift. And, you know, and my sister and I do have a really great line of communication right now where we do, you know, I, I say to her, you know, I come out this many times a year. I come out four times a year, you know, we talk about it. You know, I always remember my dates to her before I book my travel and whatnot, because, to me, it's important to make sure I have time with them, but also respect they do have a schedule too. Have they do have responsibilities. They do. And so it's really not about, yes, there are responsibilities, but taking it, dialing it back, it's about me acknowledging their lifestyle and it's about me acknowledging their feelings and their space. And 
understanding their needs in that moment. And it's, I, it is beautiful. You know, it's a beautiful thing. And it's not just my sister, you know, there's other family members too, where again, I do the same thing. Like I have this tradition that my mom started years ago and I, it was passed on me where I bake all the Italian cookies and I deliver them. And oh. I missed a year with COVID and it broke my heart, but like, it is what it is. We need to be safe. And so fast forward to last year where things still weren't solid, you know, I reached out to as many people as I could and I asked, can I come visit you? And I was prepared for a lot of no's, but luckily I got a lot of yeses. But again, I did it for the same reason why I check with my sister and brother-in-law is I want to respect people's spaces. Yeah. I want to respect people's health concerns. And same with my sister. If my sister, for some reason, my brother said for some reason, hey, listen, you know, we're still a little weary of you going. Could you please limit your visits? Like I have to respect that because it's yeah. their home and they have a young child. And luckily, you know, everything worked out. But there is something about there is something magical when we're able to acknowledge each other's feelings. And, and open it up, you know? So again, going back to my friend in the nursery and my sister in her home, you know, it's all about recognizing their needs. You know what I mean? Like what's comfortable with them, you know, and maybe this other thing too is why I brought it up, you know, maybe, although I observed that, Oh, I think they want quiet time right now. Maybe it wasn't that, you know, maybe they were distracted with other thoughts that I'm not aware of too. It's yeah. like, it's also a moment to take a step back and not make assumptions, but actually well, have a conversation. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know what anybody's going through at the time. So, no, exactly. exactly. It could be having a huge fight with each other and you wouldn't even, you know, technically know. So, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So, that's yeah. like any of my friends who I'm going into their homes or any yeah. of my members are going to their home. You know, I always feel, I, I feel more assured. I feel more comfortable, you know, talking about my timeline of when I'm there and what I'm up to and, you know, something else I do. And again, I keep using my sister, um, as an example here because, you know, there is a child involved, which is like a big, uh, plug of why I visit. And I, you know, I do plan certain visits during the year where I don't do a lot of visiting. Like I do say, Hey, like I'm only going to call so-and-so and so-and-so to stop by, but that's yeah. it because I want that quality time with my nephew, you know, and even with him, like as a child, you know, they're developing so fast and so many things are going on and it's having that space to respect them and to understand that like, okay, they're what they want right now is not what they want tomorrow and vice versa, yeah. you know? And it's like, you said, to kind of go with the flow and, you know, I really believe my my injury taught me that, you know, healing from my trauma and definitely healing from my traumas have taught me that because there is no blueprint for everything. But in light of what we were talking about before, I realized, okay, what the, what if, and my healing huh. has given me the courage to ask for help. Like you said, who has your spare key? And I said, well, my knee, I, it took me a long time to ask a neighbor to have my spare key. Cause I felt guilty about it. I felt like, oh, I'm yeah. being but at the same time, I was like, no, I can't be not, I can't be so limiting everyone's here. You know, I need to have a backup plan and like to go back to what you're up, you're, you're yeah. your best, you know, that's my, you know, I realized, no, I need to trust people. You know, I need to ask for help. And the same thing with like, when I visit family, like, again, going back to what I said before, like, I realized, okay, when I go in and out, 
within 24 hours, I'm a walking zombie. The, yeah. my, you know, and I realized, no, I need to a lot more time. So it's also why I had the further conversation with my family. You know, and there's another piece of that conversation, which I forgot to mention. And I had talked to my dad because I need to figure out, could you drive me to the train on, to the, on Monday morning? So, you know, but again, like it's having that courage to have that backup plan, to have yeah. that steps. Yeah. That's step of like, okay, well, this isn't working. I need to adjust. How do I compromise those around me without, you know, stepping on toes, but also meeting everybody halfway. Yeah. Yeah. Do you miss the corporate world? <laughs> and I'll, can I actually tell you why I don't miss the corporate world? I, when I was in corporate, a lot of what would happen, like, for example, like the analogy of the birthday party, like going up 24 hours, being a zombie, staying a little bit longer, getting quality time with my sister and her spouse and the baby, getting time with her mother-in-law, which she's lovely as well. You know, getting time with Diane, is, it, was, it was so great this round when I visited I, as an entrepreneur, I do similar things where I'm able to be like, okay, you know what? Let me try doing this a different way. In corporate, I was constantly hitting dead ends. And it was like, I could never back up though. Because for example, like I would lose responsibility on this one report, but then another report wouldn't arise or else something would happen where I was trying to find a solution. Everyone kept telling me, no, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. But I'm still stuck with this problem. So the, a better analogy I can give for people listening that might be more clear, it's like you're driving a car. And mm-hmm. I was driving the car in corporate. I hit a dead end. I was stuck there. I had to wait for like a stroke of luck that I could find a way to back up the car and try another road. As an entrepreneur, if something doesn't work, I can back up the car. And I can choose a different road whenever I want. And I do it all the time. Bella was not. We're the- not sure what road to go. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and that's why, too, because I realize it's not, um, it may not be in theme. So I apologize. I'll say this really fast so I don't like go off topic from what we're talking about. But one of the biggest things as an entrepreneur I get that from people when they see what I'm doing, they see the momentum of my books coming out, they see me going on shows like yours and talking about my messaging in different ways, et cetera. And they say, how do you get there? How did you do it? And I tell them, you know, my biggest thing in my journey was when I started my blog because it cost no money and I would wake up every day and I would just blog every day. And it's about that consistency and about that discipline, just trying and doing things. And so in lay of you saying you don't know where to go, it's true. Yeah. My blog has evolved. My blog has evolved since I first started. I've actually started a second blog and now I have this series coming out. And honestly, I don't think it's my last book series that's going to be coming yeah. out. And but, I wanted you to talk about your oh, yeah. characters and your, like what you got going on there. Absolutely. absolutely. So does, Bella, does Bella have friends? She does. She does. Yes. So she has, there's another a boy elephant, Ezra. And then her best friend is Annie Puppy. And then there's Gay Puppy. And then there's two giraffes, Caleb, after my nephew, and Briella Giraffe as well. The focus of this series is on communication. Because as I've been talking to you and your audience, when we communicate, we're able to acknowledge each other's feelings and how I do this to the books. And again, that's why I talk about my mom, because I realize a lot of the reason for the trauma with my mom is that we weren't communicating. Right. And when I realize now when I work on this communication, 
I see the difference in my all my relationships across the board. And I'm not saying they're perfect. I'm not saying there's not more work to get there, but I've seen some really beautiful progress in quite a few, which is really, awesome. which is amazing, which I'm very, very grateful for. Yeah. And yeah. And how I do this through the books is, so there's going to be 15 in all. The first five are coming out next year. I'm working on like the order of when they're coming out and all that stuff. But spring 2023 is when the first one is definitely coming out. And in the, in the, in the, in the topics that I'm dealing with, that I'm choosing within the 15, I'm choosing skills and transitions that we all go through. Mm-hmm. So there's a focus on humanity there as well. And something that everyone can relate to. And what happens in each book is when Bella encounters a new skill, she feels negative feelings and gets upset. And then she opens up to her parent or another adult in the story. And the adult relates back, like one of my favorite examples. So my mom's best friend is her aunt Sue. And another of my mom's best friends, Sue, is also a good friend of me and my entire family. And when Bella gets upset about not being able to tie her shoe or zip or snap her jacket at the playground, Aunt Sue says, well, you know, I still need help clasping my necklace. She's like, you do? But there's always that moment where the adult relates back and shares like, I still go through this, but in a different way. And then there, and then the next part of the book, and then the next, then the book progresses where she, she gets a special gift that helps her work through the transition Oh, neat. through the transition. She's able to share her finding with a friend. Like, so for oh. example, for like the bed book, which is the first one that will come out and she goes to visit her friend, any puppy, any puppy is scared about going down the slide because the ladder is really high. Bella gives Annie a yellow rose the way her mom and dad gave her a lovey to help her shift from her crib to her big girl bed. And with the rose in her hand, Annie is able to climb the climb the ladder and go on the slide and overcome her fear. And in every book, there's that moment. And that's what I'm going for. And when we recognize that, we're able, we're able to tap into our feelings. Mm-hmm. And we're able to tap and into it. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And I also have a reader's guide at the back of every book. Oh. Where it's a gentle suggestion. Because like I told you, I'm an aunt, I'm a godmother. So you go from my friend I talked about the nursery to my, my sister and her friends and all, all the other mommies I'm meeting now. Everyone is, and daddies too. They're, everyone is different. Every relationship is different. Every every household has a different different flow. These are gentle suggestions where I'm pointing out things I talk about and write about in the book and outline them for you as the caregiver, as a parent, as the custodian, so that you can apply them to your house. You can oh, apply them yeah. to what works to you and your family. Yeah, every, yeah, every child is different. Like I talk to so many parents that say, number one does this, number two does this. Like it's like night and day and there's yeah. no there's no blueprint. And I really admire women like my sister, women like my girlfriends and women that I'm meeting that I'm interacting with daily through social women, you know, uh, that are, you're, you're, you mentioned you're a mom too. You know, I admire all of you because there is no blueprint. No, like, I, I always talk about that. We've not given any Bible or manual to follow and say, okay, what do you do when? Yeah. Yeah. 
because like yesterday I called my sister to check in on her and it was, um, it was really great. I was really glad to get her on the phone because I wanted to check in on her because some things were, you know, unfortunately her son had a fever earlier in the week. So I was concerned for her and I wanted to make sure she was okay. And the baby was okay. And I'm the older of the two of us too. So like, I try to not yeah. be mom. Um, um, I want to come well, up as I want Yeah. If I want to, she's a grown woman, you know, she's very, very responsible, very equipped. And, but at the same time, as a sister, you know, I want to respect her feelings and let her know I'm here for her. And I was so happy to hear her voice. You know, she sounded real like she was having a good day in the background. I'm hearing my, my nephew was upset because he wanted to stay outside. And my sister told me they already did four rounds of neighborhood and that should be more than enough. But, you know, I, I admire her and I respect her for what she does because, you know, she knows her child, you know, she understands her child. And when I was visiting them for his birthday, so we were down at the beach house and he kept wanting to run the street and he was doing with me, he was doing with his dad, my brother-in-law and also with my sister. And so I put him in my brother-in-law's cart with for the lawnmower. And I told my sister, I said, feel like a healthy compromise. He's happy. He's not on the street. I feel he's safe. And, you know, and then my sister told me, yeah, when he does that, I tell him, I know you're feeling frustrated, but you need to be safe first. And I was like, oh, that's great. I know to do that next time. So there is also, I feel important for me as the aunt who's coming in and out of the situation, you know, and not just with my sister. I do it with yeah. my my friend whose daughter is my godchild, you know, I feel the same way. Like my, um, but it's my friend Delilah, you know, I ask questions, my give things to the kids because her kids are getting older. You know, her son is, oh gosh, her daughter turned six. My goddaughter turned six this year. And I believe her son is, I drunk up like on his age, eight or nine this year. I have to double check, but same thing. You know, I ask yeah. questions to respect them because there are things in the past where I thought, oh, this would be a great gift for the kids. And then Delilah said, well, actually, I, we, I don't really do that with them. I was like, okay, got it. You know, I take a step back. Because again, like with my sister and my brother-in-law, I want to respect Delilah and her husband first and foremost. Yes. That's yes. also where with my books, even though I won't, I mean, I would love the opportunity to get to know as many people as possible that are reading my books on their children. Because that's like a really magical moment. But at the same time, I also want to respect their houses in the same way I'm respecting my sister and my friend's houses too. You know, I want to respect that there are things that I'm not aware of that give them that space that they can finesse it. They can articulate it to what works for their, their household. Their household. Yeah. Um, Of course we could talk about this topic forever, but What what would you like to leave the listeners with? What kind of message would you like to tell the listeners? Oh gosh! So I just developed this quote. Um, let me see if oh, I can really fast if you don't mind. Um, it's a quote of mine. Let me uh, see if I can get it up. Hold on one second. Yeah, it's here. Hold on one second. Hold on. Here it is. Okay. Luckily, I know where it was saved, so I can pull up really fast. So this is the quote that I just developed. It's actually going to be featured in one of my blogs um, coming up in the coming weeks. When we put our trust in fate and combine it with faith in ourselves, doors open up for us. And I, I didn't want to lose my mom. I didn't want to rupture my Achilles tendon. But... 
in those moments, I knew I needed to trust my higher power. I needed to trust God and put faith. And because I put in that faith, I'm here with you right now. That's you know, right. I'm seeing my fam- relationship with my family take a turn for the good, which I'm forever grateful for. Um, I'm seeing my friendships develop. I'm seeing myself find my way into communities. And, and, and so that's what I want to believe. And so in light of that backup plan, like it's also given me the courage to start building up that backup plan. I love catchphrases. So I'm make sure I give your, <laughs> give it that plug, you know. Well, that's awesome. And, and listeners, don't forget all of her information is down below in the description box to reach out to uh, Christina Lucia. So uh, feel free to make sure you do that. Um, she has a great website and a great blog. And I didn't know about your second one. So that's awesome. It's, yeah, I call it Diary Isabella. And it's actually a love letter between my mom and I. And oh. when, laying, or, or, when I healing from the traumas, you know, again, it makes me realize she really was doing the best of what she had. Yes. Is my way of shining light on that. And I don't, it's not officially in the works right now, but I have put that seed out there with my publisher telling her, you know, I would like to put those blogs in a book at some point. For mm-hmm. the yeah. I feel like that would be another great book for, I, um, for the parents. I think people need to realize as bad as it is, like I just watched the movie Elvis and the Marilyn Monroe story. And it, it did something a little bit to me. It was very disturbing, very disturbing back stories to their lives that we thought, I mean, it's all visual to what we think we see the person, but we don't really know what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And sometimes we'd be very shocked. And I think, well, I was, I was, I was shocked by how horrible their life was behind the scenes. And um, there was a lot of good things and how they succeeded is beyond me because of all the traumas that they have dealt with in life and continue to deal with. Um, But to make a long story short, um, I really think that we're not giving these books to, to understand what the other person went through. Um, so yeah, I think we have to be a little bit more open, like you suggested. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So thank you for coming on today. Uh-huh. And I, have to run, so I didn't want to, um, let you go too long before you have to run out the door and I know how busy New York is. So yeah, get, get your little legs going out there. Um, so please take a moment and subscribe um, to our channel if you already haven't. And I get my hand out every time. Press on that bell down here and the subscribe button if you already haven't. Because if you found us, if you found our show, you found us for a reason. You are supposed to hear this. So please like, share, and subscribe. Stay tuned for our podcast and our live streams. We have great comments with some of the most interesting and accomplished people in the world today, like beautiful uh, Christina. Um, I think you'll be entertained and informed, and I hope that we've inspired you to start thinking about your unique plan, about your life, and, you know, nobody's Superman, and so expect the unexpected. We are on all podcast platforms, YouTube, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, TikTok, and Facebook. 
and we have a VIP Facebook group group so that you can um, come on the in the group and share with others and ask questions. Um, so thank you for taking your time, your precious time with us today. And thank you, Katina Lucia. So thank you for coming from beautiful New York. I'd love to Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's been so much fun. I really appreciate awesome. this opportunity to share my story. <laughs> thank you so much. Mm -hmm. And I always end with Carol Burnett because Carol Burnett was a very beautiful lady. And I, I know you know who she is. Love her. Love her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad we had this time together just to have a laugh or sing a song. Seems we just get started and before you know it, comes a time we have to say so long. So long, everybody. Love to have you here. Thank you, Christina Luchips, for coming on our show today. Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you, everybody. Stay safe, be kind, and expect the unexpected. Till next time. Bye from Bella. <laughs>